Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. I am so excited to share today's episode. I had an opportunity to interview Ross Johnson, who is a 27-year-old serial entrepreneur dedicated to teaching coaches and consultants how to grow their online businesses. Now, his trajectory was anything but typical. He went from being a broke personal trainer to building $2 million businesses in just four years, one of which he was able to exit successfully. Now, he's helped hundreds of people grow their online businesses through his mentorship programs, which has earned him mentions in a ton of publications, including Forbes, Inc., and Entrepreneur. And in today's episode, we talk about so many different things, everything from his um, very moderate, modest upbringing to oyster farming, selling drugs, how the four-hour work week inspired him to start his online business, and why in the first four years, nothing, absolutely nothing seemed to be working for him. And what happened when he hired a coach and focused on one thing for the next 12 months? We dive in deep about why he wasn't able to give away his Instagram services for free and how he was able to play around with the pricing so that he could get curious and try different strategies and start making a heck of a lot of money and scale that agency so very fast. When I asked him about his ability to master the sales game and identify that, yes, he totally feels that he has mastered this thing of sales, but it didn't start, uh, it didn't start that way. And it certainly didn't happen overnight. The biggest thing that he identified with me is using a script, being able to have a step-by-step template of exactly what to say and when, so that he could start growing that confidence and be able to trust his own ability to know exactly what to say when to say it, why he's saying it to those potential customers so that he could more consistently hear yes after yes after yes. So I can't wait for you to dive into today's episode and learn all of these things and more. This is a doozy. You're going to want to grab your paper and your pen because we drop some truth bombs and some golden nuggets that I know is going to help you no matter where you are in growing and scaling your business as well. So let's get started. Hey, what's going on? Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Now, where in the world are you? I am in LA. Oh, you are. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the States finally. I'm back. <laughs> I love it. How many do you have to do today? Podcasts? Yeah. Um, you're my 21st. <laughs> so I've had 20, 20 more before this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you yeah. near the tail end then? Yeah, I have three more. Okay. Awesome. Or I have two more after you. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So um, let's just dive in. I have a few questions I'm going to ask you, but really I want it to be more conversational. Cool. That works for me. Yeah. And talking about kind of like your journey and and how it's going to help my audience. So my podcast is called Master the Sales Game. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I'd like to dig into a little bit about like more specific sales, either strategies or things that um, got in the way that you can share with the audience. But other than that, I like the other topics that you had around entre- just general entrepreneurship, but also being able to scale your business um, and the human beha- behavior psychology piece. Because I think sometimes, especially for sales, that starts making people feel a little bit like, when does this become too much versus yeah. being okay, that kind of sense. Totally. And so um, your audience, I I did some research on this, your audience trying to hit consistent 10 to 20K months. Yeah. And um, what industry are they typically in? They're coaches, consultants, and experts. So speakers, thought leaders, um, they're all just, yeah. So they're, they're right up your lane as well. um, Looks like. And so most of them are doing one-to-one or some kind of one-to-one, one-to-many and potentially are looking to add in a course or a program or already have one, but maybe it's not working very well. Um, they often are undercharging. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Works for me. It's a very easy audience for me to speak to. Yes. Awesome. Um, so I'll do your bio that I got, uh, separately at the beginning. Um, cool. so we can kind of just dive in and start with, uh, with questions. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Or right, actually, let me ask you one thing. Are you doing, are you going to record the video for this? I am. Um, You're going to share that? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll just try to look over here more. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to repurpose, put it on on YouTube, just because I think sometimes people like, especially for videos they, or interviews, they like being able to see the other person as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So Ross, I'm really, really fascinated by your story, right? Because I think sometimes um, business owners can get very frustrated because it doesn't work very well, or they, they didn't learn mm. business as a kid. So what does it actually take to go from broke to not, not only one, but actually two seven-figure businesses in four years? Can you share a little bit about your journey with us? Because I think sometimes we, we only hear the glitz and the glamour. And I love yeah, of course. Can you tell us the real nuts and bolts? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, I guess it all starts like really when I was a kid and, you know, the town I grew up in was very wealthy, but I grew up like really broke. Like my parents always, this was always a question, you know, like whether or not we were going to get kicked out of our house because they couldn't pay for it. Right. So, um, like that was always a conversation we was in the house and, you know, growing up, I just didn't have a lot of money and money was always this huge focus. So I was always trying to just like figure out how to make it work. I got a job when I was 12. I dug up clams. I was an like I was an oyster farmer. I did car detailing. I mowed lawns. I sold Italian ice. I delivered pizzas. I made pizzas. I worked at restaurants. Like I sold drugs for a while. Like I did a lot of stuff. Like I thought I had to do to get by, and it was just tough growing up. Um, and then. When I was like 20, I read this book called The 4-Hour Workweek, um, and it really changed my perspective on doing stuff in person versus doing stuff online. And I think a lot of your audience probably understands the value of doing things online today. Uh, that was really new for me back then. I was like, man, I got to start online business. It's like location, freedom, independence thing. This is a big deal. So I went off on that journey. I tried to do online health coaching. I tried to become a productivity coach. I tried to do uh, like Chinese herbalism and like medicine and like courses about like elixirs. And I did an online magazine and I did 
so many things. I built a web design agency. I, I did tons of like 20 different businesses, every single one of them failed. So uh, I know a thing or two about failure and hard work. And that was like the first four years of my journey was just nothing worked. I did stuff for three months, changed my topic. You know, I love this idea of following your passion. I loved it. And the thing is my passion was changing all the time. And so like every three months I was on to something else. And that really distracted me from like, I didn't know that I needed to solve a real problem for people. I was just like, I'll just do what I want to do and people will pay for it. And they didn't. So it's not how it works. <laughs> so, um, yeah, eventually I ended up just getting so frustrated with the idea that I couldn't figure it out, um, that I hired a coach, uh, and I was like, I'm going to do one thing for 12 months. It's going to be something that I already know that people are buying in the, in the market. And so it was Instagram growth. And I just said, I'm going to get the best at it. I'm just going to get the best at this thing. And it's already works for other people. So it'll work for me if I can figure it out and I'll hire a mentor. Took me four months to get my first client, you know, and just for, I know that this is a lot about sales. So I'll tell you a funny sales story. I came out with, uh, the first time I offered it, I was like, I don't have any results. Hmm. So I will, this is what I'll do. I don't know where I came up with this idea, but I was like, I will do Instagram growth for you for a month for free. We will agree on a certain number of followers that I'll get you. And if I hit that number, it'll automatically enroll you into a three month contract with my service. Otherwise we were not going to do it. I had 60 sales calls. This is before I knew what a sales group. Wow. I sold zero, oh, no. exactly zero on trying to give away my service for free. Wow. I was like, you know what? I don't have any results. So why don't I get your results first? And then you can pay me afterwards if you like it. Nobody did it. And, um, then that was the, that was like the first month I opened it and then it took me three more months to get a client. First client I got was $2,000 a month, which is like half of what I was making at my job. Wow. So I was like, Oh man, this is so great. Like it's wonderful. And then I just, I really focused on getting that client, like outstanding results. I think I grew their account like 50,000 followers in a month. In one crazy. month. Yeah. Things were different back then. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm crazy on Instagram. So, um, they were like talking about it and I was sharing it and people were like, that's amazing. I only had 2000 friends on Facebook. I didn't even have my own Instagram account. And, um, yeah, I got more clients and more clients and I took those testimonials. I got good results and I put them online. I kind of repeated that winning formula. Um, and then after, you know, within the first 16, 17 months, I made seven figures. Um, just from doing that off Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I got invited to speak at Spanx headquarters. I got a couple of celebrity clients through the woodwork. And I also got really lucky. I got featured in a Forbes article that actually ranked number one on Google for Instagram growth. Wow. And so that article alone made me a million dollars, um, just from people visiting it and then visiting my agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's kind of how I grew that business. Um, it was a lot of trial and error and I did a lot of sales calls and then, yeah, I started an, another company because I knew that company wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's Instagram. Well, I, I'm really curious because I think sometimes, and one of my audience members actually reached out recently and said, 
how do I pivot? You know, how do I start to attract a new audience? And, and you did kind of exactly that because you took I've this Instagram growth business and then you built another seven figure business. So tell us a little bit more about that part. Cause I think, I think two things, I mean, you touched on, you were focusing on your passion that kind of gone in the way, right? Because yeah. we hear this a lot and for all you multi-passionates out there, like we are talking right to you right now because yeah. You know, you have to do something where people are already paying for it and that you're already good at. And then just focusing on that one thing for a period of 12 months, like making that commitment, I think is really, really critical. But how do you go from doing that? I mean, it's already making you money. You're doing really well. And then kind of knowing that, hey, I could, I could do something else. I'm going to need to pivot and potentially have a new audience. How did you navigate that transition? Yeah, it's all about storytelling. Um, so it's a positioning thing is what it's really called, right? Like you have to change people's perception of you and you have to reposition the way that they see you in their mind. And the way to do that is through storytelling. So when, so when, so when we're doing our agency, we're like, wow, this is making, you know, a million or whatever a year. And like, this is, this is great. But like, what happens if Instagram goes away? Mm. Cause it will eventually. So yeah. I built a business on rented land. I didn't realize I did that until later. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I should start another business now while I'm comfortable. And you know, I will be in a better position when I can just shut it down when Instagram doesn't work anymore. So I'm like, all right, well, a lot of people are asking me how I grew this business so quickly. Mm. And so why don't we work with other service-based entrepreneurs? We're not going to show them how to start an agency because starting an agency is so difficult. It's like running uphill for the rest of your life. It's like a life <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Um, not, nothing against agencies. They're just lower profit, more team members, a lot more to manage, hard yeah. to have your time, time freedom. So I was like, all right, well, coaches, you know, we've done, I did a lot of Instagram coaching in my agency. People would pay me for it on the side. And I was like, oh yeah, it's really like chill business. Why don't we do that? And I was like, all right, well, what kind of angle, like, how do we pivot basically? I'm like, well, I used to be a personal trainer and nobody taught me sales, which is like actually the only thing you need to know when you're a personal trainer is how to sell someone because otherwise you don't make any money, even yeah. if you're the best personal trainer in the world. And then I was like, oh, you know what? That really pissed me off. So why don't we target personal trainers? This is kind of before like everyone started doing this. Everyone does this now. Everyone helps fitness coaches grow their business. Um, but you were so we started as pro yeah. yeah, this yeah. is like two, two, two years ago or more. And I'm like, all right, well, but this is the angle. We'll tell them that I was a broke personal trainer and it was my passion. And then I started this marketing agency and I figured it out. And now I want to help other people because I had to give up my passion because I couldn't figure it out. I don't want you to give up your passion. Mm. I want to help you. So we were like, created this personal trainer story for me and use that story to get attention and be like, this is why we're doing this was because originally this is what I wanted to do and I couldn't figure it out. And I know how you feel. No one taught you sales. No one taught you marketing. They just said, get certified, get certified, go into the gym. And all of a sudden you're making 10 bucks an hour and you don't want to be making 10 bucks an hour. You know, you just spend all this money on education. You want to help people. You don't even, you can't even help people because you can't make sales. And so we told this whole story and pivoted, built the business off that did 12 uh, and did seven figures in 12 months with that. 
And then like later on, we were like, you know, we want to open this up. So that was like kind of a foot in the door strategy. Mm-hmm. We always wanted to work with all coaches, but yeah. the jump from having an Instagram agency to starting a business coaching business for all coaches was too far okay. of a leap. So we did the fitness thing and then we opened it up to all coaches. Um, and then I ran that for a while until me and my ex-girlfriend split. She was my partner in it. And I ended up selling her that business. Um, and then I started a new one, which is the company that I'm running now. I love it. <laughs> so you've had multiple. <laughs> I've pivoted a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm very good at repositioning myself and rebranding myself. I love it. Well, and I think that sometimes people, they, they get scared, especially when they're representing themselves as a personal brand. They do have to sell themselves as the, the main service provider. And mm-hmm. oftentimes it becomes um, challenging because, you know, you're known for one thing. And then how do you get known for that other thing? I love what you shared here, Ross, around going narrow and deep, right? Which I think a lot of people get scared to do because they feel like they get pigeonholed and they get stuck. And what you're sharing with us is that, no, in fact, it helps you to get growth really fast in order to then keep growing. And for this particular business, you were able to exit, um, but it's, you followed kind of the same pattern of success now throughout the businesses that you you've started and being able to scale. Um, so no, go ahead. Can I add something on that? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, um, you know, I'll just say like for everyone listening, people only know what you tell them. Yeah. It's really something to think about and consider. They forget things really quick. They forget things so quick. I could like go on Instagram and tell people I'm a model. And like two months later, everyone would forget that I was a business coach. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, like, it's crazy when you start telling stories about why you're doing the things you're doing and how you did them and how you have history in them and what you talk about, like it just, it just shifts. Mm -hmm. And the whole personal aspect of it, it is a challenge because branding, there's two types, right? There's the business is the face of the company or you're the face of the company. And when you're the face of the company, you know, it's challenging because there are certain branding principles that are irrelevant of whether or not you're the face. They're just the brand. It's good for a brand to do X, Y, and Z. Right. But then it's like you have a personal identity crisis because you don't want to do those things. So it's challenging, but it's like, if you're going to be a personal brand, which I I think is really challenging Mm -hmm. personally, um, you need to like kind of get over those things and you need to be okay with your concept of self and who you are being fluid. Like I had a podcast earlier last night or this morning or whatever. And someone was like, who is Ross Johnson? And I was like, I'm whatever I want to be. Like the concept's so fluid. I want to be someone different next year than I am today. It's just like this fluid concept. I just like ship, shape shift. And it's not like I'm like sticking to my roots. Mm-hmm. I think that type of, if I was sticking to my roots, I'd be broke right now. Wow. You know? So it's like, yeah, you just got to think about who you want to be and, be open to change. Yeah, I, I think uh, I love that because I think a lot of what you just shared there relates directly to sales because I think sometimes uh, we take sales, the process, the conversation, the rejection so personally. And when we take into account what you just shared with us, Ross, around it being fluid and that it's changeable and that it, it, it evolves, it's the same thing when we have these conversations with our potential customers. It's evolving totally. and it's changing and it's shifting. And as long as we don't take it personally, if, if it's not 
uh, rooted in, I have to do it this way, or uh, it's a representation of how you think about yourself, it's much easier to just get back on that horse and, and keep going and, and running towards your goals. Yeah, it's great. Like the way I look at life and business is like everything is an experiment. Mm -hmm. Even this podcast marathon is an experiment. Yeah. It's a big experiment for me. It's like, I'm just here to have fun and like life is kind of like a game to me. Yeah. I don't really know why I'm here and I don't think anyone does. And so just I'm just fun. having fun. And every time I get on a sales call, I'm like, huh, maybe I'll tell this person it's 3000. I don't know. We'll see if they buy it. It's yeah. like, you don't take it so seriously or make it a personal reflection of yourself. It's just put on your lab coat. It's a science experiment. Like I'm going to post this today and see what the reaction is. Cool. I'm going to post something more controversial tomorrow and see what the reaction is. Like, Oh, interesting that people think that, you know, like I like write things down. It's like a study for me. I'm like, I Oh, interesting. It. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. They didn't buy at 3000. I'm going to try this guy. All right. They didn't buy at 3000. Maybe I'll try 2,700. Oh, they bought. Oh, someone bought at 5,000. Oh, this is interesting. Like I just like, I do all that stuff. There was a period of time in my Instagram service where I just kept charging more and more and more. And I was on like a hot streak. I was like, yeah, it's a thousand. No, it's 2000 a month. It's $10,000 a month. Someone was like, okay. I was like, what? I was like, oh my goodness. I can't even believe like, it's just like, you don't know what you can get unless you ask and experiment. And it's like, so much of that is like so important. This price mm -hmm. experimentation, mm -hmm. it takes, takes some balls kind of, you know, it's like definitely takes some guts to like throw the number out there. But I think for me, I've done a lot of experimentation with that and it's really allowed me to find the appropriate price. And I know that a lot of people undercharge or even overcharge, they don't have the pricing right. And it's good to experiment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to lose a sales call. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you're sharing here because that's, that's the whole premise of this show, right? Master the sales game. It should be a game. It should be fun. It should be something that you're doing with your, your conversations with your potential customers, as opposed to like doing it at them. Um, yeah. And I love what you share around, you know, the pricing experiment. Let's dig into this a little bit. Cause I think it really, really could help people. If so, how would you recommend somebody do this right now? If they are struggling with price, if they're hearing more no's than yeses on those sales conversations, if they're not sure if they've picked the right price point, what are some like tangible steps that they can take right now in order to help them get over this hump or to start moving towards more of an experimental phase as opposed to having it be like, oh my gosh, I have to make this work. I have to get you know, somebody to pay me X amount of dollars um, and feeling yeah. terribly when they don't. Yeah. So people don't want to buy stuff from people they need to buy stuff from. Mm -hmm. It's like the law of least importance. Like the, le the, less, the less you care about the sale, the more they're going to want to buy it. It's mm -hmm. super counterintuitive, but it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like the law of least importance. Like you can't, there's also like a, your intention and like what you want to be the outcome. Like you can't be attached to the outcome. You can intend on making the sale, but you have to have no attachment to the outcome. Once you have an attachment to the outcome, people can feel it and it's, it's going to make it challenging for you to make sales. I understand that that's very challenging if you need, feel like you need to make the sale. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, it's just one of those things you've got to get reps in. I think you have to get experience practicing being that confident and letting go. Cause once someone feels like you're desperate, they're gone. Like it's just challenging to, to get someone to buy something because you know, it's like when someone goes to the store and buys jeans, like imagine if they followed you out of the store and they're like, are you sure you don't want them? Are you sure? Like you'd be like, Whoa, I gotta like, I'm never coming back to the store again. This is like super weird experience, but you know, people are doing that on their sales calls and I'm not saying don't follow up, but it's like, it's all about the way in which you follow up. It's all about the energy you bring to the call. Mm. It's all about the confidence you bring to the call. So that's a big part of it. Right. Um, and then there's also your offer. I would say like, what are you offering? Look at your industry, understand what the low price point is and what the high price point is on average and probably start charging at the high price point. And just, that would probably start there. And if you don't make the sale, improve the offer over and over again and see if you can make the sale. And then when people make the sale, ask them why they bought. Why did they buy from you and not someone else? Well, and I, I love this because it's very aligned to how I teach and recommend, which I call flip the funnel. I have you know too many broke coaches, consultants, and experts out there that are going and doing that market research like you just mentioned, but then deciding to go on the liar, the, the lower end because they don't have the clients, they don't have the testimonials. Yeah. And you shared earlier, the experience. Yeah. And you shared earlier that I mean you tried giving away a service for for free to kind of prove that you had been able to do it and you had 60 calls and none of them bought. And I think it's really important for you listening right now to know that uh, you can you can charge what you need to charge, but again, not be a desperate to the outcome, not be like forcing people to go, um, you know, I have to do this. And to be able to make sure that at the end of the day, you're using it as an experiment to figure out why didn't they buy? And for the, those who did buy, why did they buy? I love that you asked them that question because I think that's where we make some assumptions, why they yeah. bought, and that might not be the real reason. It might be something totally different. Yeah, there's something else to look at here too. This is because this is a complicated topic. It's very simple, but it's also very complicated because it's also about the way you present yourself online. Um, I would say, and this is going to be challenging for people to grade themselves on this, but, and I've been sharing this a lot on podcasts today because I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's something about branding that, you know, when your branding is a certain way, and I'm not talking about design, I'm talking about positioning and like appearance, that when it is a certain way, you're able to charge more. You know, I'm able to charge a lot of money for my stuff and it's because I'm positioned a very specific way. Yeah. People see me a certain way. Um, other business coaches that are just starting out, it's, they're probably not gonna be able to charge what I charge and get away with it because it's just not the same positioning. Mm -hmm. And the, the difference there is there's something called uh, in branding, there's branding theory. There's different branding theories and people will never learn about these in our space usually because you're not something you're going to learn from another entrepreneur. There's something you're going to learn from like an academic professor in like Harvard. And I read a lot of their case studies and stuff like that. And that's how I know this. Um, they have this uh, theory called self congruity theory. Basically what it says is uh, a brand, a brand self image needs to be congruent with uh, 
the customer's self-image. And the more congruent they are, the more likely that person is to buy from that brand. So everyone can imagine someone that shops at Abercrombie and Fitch, Hollister, everyone can imagine someone that shops at, uh, or, or everyone can imagine someone who would drive a Jeep with huge tires, with no roof, with an American flag floating off the back, right? Yeah. At the beach, like we know what that dude looks like, we can imagine him. And it's because though the brand and that person, their self-image is very congruent. Now that's brands, right? There's also personal brands. And when you're a personal brand, your personal self-image needs to reflect and be congruent with the customer self-image. Now, we'll take it one level further. People see themselves in three, three ways, past self, current self, and ideal self. You want to align with their ideal self and be a representation and an example of who they want to become. And most people don't do that. Most people align with the current self. And that's actually something someone's trying to get away from because everyone's trying to improve. So if you can, depending on how aligned you are and how good of an example you are of what you're teaching, you will be able to charge more or less because it would be more or less believable. So if I'm teaching someone how to build muscle and I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger and I look so ripped, like I'm, I definitely know what I'm talking about. I'm like the epitome of what every man wants with their body. It's going to be easy for me to get away charging more. It's going to get, it's going to be easier for me to get away with people approaching me, asking me to work with them versus me chasing them down because I am their success. I'm being it. I'm becoming successful. And so I think it's important to look in the mirror and think about that as well with your own brand. Like how much, how good of an example are you of what you're teaching? You know, if you're a fitness coach, are you like super in shape and like really attractive and like presenting yourself in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way? Or are you, you know, taking weird photos in a dark room in the corner? Like some people do, you know, yeah. Yeah. it just takes self-awareness and you know, that's okay. I started out there too. You know, I started out there too, and it's just everyone's got to get better where they are, but it's important to know where you're at mm -hmm. from that standpoint because that's how people are going to see you. They're going to say, I want to be Christina Aguilera. I want to be like J-Lo. And if they want to look like J-Lo and you don't look like J-Lo and you look 50% of J-Lo, well, then you're probably not going to be able to charge super top tier. Yeah. You might be able to charge a little bit less, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how premium is your brand? And it's just something for people to look to. And if you're not there, you should work on getting there. You know, that's ultimately what makes a good brand is people want to aspire to be the brand. They want to aspire to be you. And so positioning yourself in that way is really powerful and makes sales very easy. A lot of times people get on the phone with me and they're like, I'm just ready, dude. I don't want to have a call. And I'm like, all right. I love you it. Know? I love it. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's super important. So I, I want everybody listening to go back, rewind. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's go a back deep and, topic. Yeah. Take notes because I think it's really, really important. This for me is the antidote to avoiding the friend zone because I get this a lot is, you know, how, how come they see me as a friend instead of the expert that they're going to pay? It's because of this. This is, the, this is the reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, they think you're on their level. Yeah, right. Because you're you're at the present self as opposed to the future self. And so go back, dissect, 
listen to what Ross has dropped because this is the golden nugget <laughs> that will really, really help you if you are A, struggling with your price and B, really not identifying with the true ideal clients that you know that you can help, but they don't see you in the same way. So it's really about matching that congruency between what you're putting out there and what they're, uh, what they're looking for. Um, so I, I love this topic. Let's, let's keep diving into this because I think it ties in really nicely with, you know, what you've been studying around human behavior, buyer psychology. And I think part of what you shared here kind of touches on that because sometimes people are being told to sell. And I use that in air quotes, right? Yeah. Where it doesn't feel congruent. It doesn't, it, it starts to feel manipulative. Even if you're being told like this is, um, this is okay from a persuasive standpoint. So yeah. when we're talking about, you know, how do you attract those folks? How do you really make sure that you are talking to them in a way that a, your brand has positioned you, but ultimately you're on a sales call. You're having a conversation. You know that there are certain things that you have identified through that call that, Hey, these are triggers. These are reasons why they're going to buy for you, at what point does it start to become more sleazy when we use some of that information around human behavior and buyer psychology in particular? Yeah, I think marketing and branding before the sales call makes sales way easier. Mm -hmm. So if your branding and marketing is like super on point, the sales call is going to be really easy. I mean, for my last business, we had like 50% close on a 5k product and we had hundreds of calls. Like sometimes we do like 600 grand in a month and it was like insane. And it was because the marketing was so like perfect that like people would get on a call and they're like, I'm like, all right, tell me about your current situation. And they're like, dude, I just want to buy. Can I just like skip this? Like uh, just send me the link. I just feel like I had to get on this call because that's the process you guys have. And I'm like, oh, uh, all right, sure. Yeah, I'll send that over to you now. You know, or people would buy right through the DM on like a $5,000 product, which is crazy. Um, so that's one thing I want to say is, you know, the better your branding and marketing is, the less push you have to be with sales. And ultimately, I don't think you should be that pushy with sales. Like there's so many different types of sales, right? Mm -hmm. And they're all valid. I just want to say that my personal, uh, approach to sales is like, I really try to find out if I can help the person and I'm super honest with them. I'll be like, all right, what's your current situation? And I'll try to identify like mindset problems they have, whether or not I even want to work with them. I'm like, all right, this person's like really gone. Like I'm not gonna be able to help them because they're in their own way. And I'll be like, where do you want to get to? And I'll be like, well, do you want to do X, Y, and Z? You know, do you want to build a course? Like, how do you feel about webinars? Like, how do you feel about blah, blah, blah? And if they're like on board, I'll be like, yeah, like, look, let's do it. I think it's a good fit. Um, you know, here's what I can help you do. And we can lay out a whole game plan. Here's how it'll work. Here's how much money it is. Let me know. Um, that's just my approach to sales now. Mm. Um, I used to do like a really scripted thing and that can sometimes be really powerful in the beginning. But you know, once you go through, I've done like 2,700 sales calls. I've done an enormous amount of calls and I don't really need to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm just really authentic with people now. And I do follow up and stuff, but what I find is that people always, you know, people always come around and it's like more about planting seeds mm -hmm. than it is about like pushing them into a sale. Now I think like 
people I had sales calls with six months ago are hitting me up now and they're like, dude, I'm ready to buy. I don't need to call. Let's do it. You know, I'm ready. And I'm, it's, they just, they all come around. So I think sales is definitely short term and long term, but don't ruin the long term by focusing so much on the short term sale. Mm. Business is a marathon. It is a marathon. It is. And I think too many people are focusing on the sprint. It's important to have like intense bursts of focus. You need to make money now, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but also don't ruin the money long term. Yeah. So let's, because I think this is super important too. Let's dive into this because I think it's, it's hard, right? It's disheartening when you are in the earlier stages. And for those of you that didn't catch it, I mean, Ross has done like close to 3000 sales calls and I want you to know right now that if you are in the earlier stages, you, you need volume. You need to just practice. And sometimes it's hard because you do need to make money. He's giving us a lot of really great tips, like tactical stuff you can implement today to start getting going with this. But I think at the same time, it's really important that you know that if you take it personally, like if you take every single no personally right from the get beginning, you, you can't get to clocking in the amount of hours that you need in order to get masterful at the skill of sales because it is something that we all learn. We don't just magically, you know, hey, I'm a master salesperson. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to somebody that is right now trying to figure out, okay, how do I balance off those two? Like, how do I not take it personally? How do I follow up without being desperate? How do I... Um, actually give it time because I love what you shared that, you know, some, some people, it, it takes them a while. It's like six months and you're just, you're doing what you're doing. How do you know that it's working when you are hearing more no's when you're not getting as many clients signing up as you would like? Yeah. I think confidence comes from action mm. and experience. And I think in order to get that, those experiences, you need to take risks because if you're in your comfort zone, and you don't step outside of it, you know, you need to, you need to be like this. Like I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone today. And then if it works and it feels good, it's like, Oh, my comfort zone just expanded a little bit, you know? And then maybe, it, maybe one time it doesn't work and you go, Ooh, that hurt. I don't know. And you contract, mm -hmm. but you need to always be getting up every day and being like, I'm going to take risks. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be confident and try to get that experience built because it takes a lot of action. It takes a lot of risk. And, and it's seriously like super, super important. You have to be confident in business. I'm not like a confidence expert by any means. Like I don't have the best psychological strategy for how to do that, but you just, it's almost like you just got to do it. Like you got to take action. You got to push yourself a little bit, maybe get around people who are more confident than you and make it feel like it's okay to do these things because you know, your environment uh, might be the reason why you feel like certain th things are scary. You know, maybe the way you're brought up or maybe the way your hometown is or the people you hang out with are like, oh, that's scary. Like, you don't want to hang around people who think this is scary. You want to hang around people who think jumping out of planes is fun and it's not scary, you know? And then when you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a roller coaster. I think it's scary. They're like, Oh, I just jumped out of a plane yesterday. Cool. That sounds fine. It's really not a big deal. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe it's not a big deal because yeah. people, the way your perception is crafted is in relation to other people around you. Mm -hmm. So if everyone's a billionaire around you, you're going to feel like that's more normal. And when you feel like that's more normal, your brain will subconsciously shift to close that gap. 
And so changing your environment is a really powerful way, I think. Probably the most powerful way, I think, mm -hmm. to change your confidence and change who you are is just to get around more people who are more confident in themselves, put themselves out there. And you see like, oh, wow, it's not that scary. Oh, wow, that's how they did that. I'm going to try that. And then you go, oh, okay, that worked. And then you start getting these things that works. You start feeling comfortable about it. Um, but, you know, there's something else I want to say, which is that, you know, in the beginning when you're starting a business, it's very challenging, probably the most challenging part because you don't have any authority and you don't have any status and no one knows who you are and no one cares. And you're also probably not that confident. And so you need to be like super loud in order to get people to care, yeah. but you're not confident. And then like, it's just like this loop. One of the things you can do is like jack other people's authority. Mm -hmm. So if you can get good at building relationships with other people, or you can just save up a couple bucks and pay an influencer to talk about your stuff, that can get you email subscribers. Mm -hmm. Like you could put a free training on you on Instagram, pay an influencer with like 20,000 followers, you know, I don't know, 30 bucks and be like, Hey, I'll pay you 30 bucks. Will you, uh, will you do a swipe up to this training mm -hmm. and send people to my webinar or my offer and uh maybe make a couple sales do it again make, make a couple sales do it again you build your social media at the same time yeah it's a quick way to build your audience influencer marketing um it's very low risk as well it's a lot cheaper than people think it is not a lot of people know that um but it's like you know just going the manual route and trying to build your authority without basically leeching off other people is very challenging I love it. And that's a super ninja tip, right? Like that's for me, it's about building relationships, which is what you're sharing here as well. It's not just a matter of picking some random person. It's somebody that you're building a relationship with. You're being able to add value to their audience. You're positioning an ask and being able to shortcut, right? Shortcut your growth by yeah. being able to say, Hey, I do this amazing thing that you don't do. Let me help you and you can help me and I can actually reach the people that I want to serve. So that, that is go back, listen, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure it's someone in a non-competitive niche. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that you're, you're being able to work together. Yeah, exactly. What would you say has been the most impactful sales lesson that you've learned? I'm, I'm sure you've, I mean, you've already shared with us so many different things yeah. you've learned here, but if you could kind of distill it for somebody right now, who's like, oh my gosh, this is really, really hard for me. It doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel like I'm ever going to climb that mountain. Um, what could you share with them around a lesson that could potentially help them as well? In the beginning, he used a script, mm. practice the script. Um, I think you need to understand objections and why people have objections and learn how to handle those objections in marketing content before they ever get on a call. Awesome. Like if you can handle, you know, social media is a great tool because it's free. <laughs> and all I do all day on my social media, you guys can follow me um, at Ross Johnson on Instagram and you can see but it's like, all I do is I take a commonly held belief that people have and I destroy it. And then I build a case for why they should believe something else. Mm -hmm. And I do it in really creative stories and tons of different ways that you would never know that I was doing that. All it is, is objection handling. Mm -hmm. So by the time I get on the phone with someone, it's like, yeah, I read your post the other day. And like, I, I already know that like, I already know that like if I'm gonna get on a call I shouldn't even bring up blah 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 like they'll come on calls and tell me that and I'm like that's right 
It's like you're training them. Yeah. You've already so called like it out. Your marketing content is training people like a dog <laughs> to believe what you want them to believe and put them in a position where they're going to have the least amount of resistance to taking your offer and ultimately changing their life. I mean, this isn't a selfish act. Mm -hmm. It's like they're in their own way of literally changing their own life. They're blocking themselves. They know they want to buy it. They know they need it. They know it's good for them, but they're like, mm, I don't know. I'm scared. I can't do it. Most people don't buy because they're scared. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the scariest part, right? For your buyer, but also for you is you're trying to get them to move past the fear. And that's really what objection handling and the whole sales process is about is helping people to move through going from I'm scared to, oh my gosh, I can actually do this thing. And recognizing that you're there to help them every step of the way. So for me, it's always, you're being selfish if you don't ask. You're being selfish if you don't make the offer because you can change somebody's life. And it's up to yeah, you to serving. do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally a serving thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's let's dive into a little bit because I, I love what you just shared. You know, use a script, do the practice, <clears throat> kind of get over yourself. And you had talked earlier about um, action creates clarity, right? Like if you are stuck right now and you're just trying to figure out like, what do I do? Just take some sort of action and move forward. Follow Ross on Instagram because he is an amazing storyteller. And I'm going to tell you, like, even if you just figure out what he is doing in the stories that he's sharing and just think about how do I apply this for the, the kind of stories that I can tell my audience, you're going to just do much, much better in terms of your communication, your branding, your positioning, um, like the way that you connect with people. Because I think that's really what it's all about, right? At the heart of it for me, sales is not really about... Um, a prescriptive process. Although let's face it, when we learn something, you have to kind of learn, like, here are the rules, here are the yeah. things you have to follow. But at, at this point in your journey, I mean, do you feel like you've mastered sales and what do you think has really helped you to do that? To, to like flip the switch from being like that struggling um, guy who had all the calls, couldn't give it away for free. Um, you've obviously done a lot of work around your brand and your position yeah. and your marketing, but also I think for sales, a lot of it's a mental game. So what do you think has really helped you to kind of go like enough is enough. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to do the thing already. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Yeah. I think I've definitely, ma I think I've definitely mastered sales. Um, I feel like I could sell anyone anything if I wanted to, uh, because I know what people care about. Mm. And I think, you know, ultimately, ultimately I know what people need and what they really want, you know, and I, and I know how to sell them what they really want. And I think this is a powerful lesson, but it's like, people are like onions and it's like, there's so many layers to what they want and what they tell you what they want is not always what they actually want. So you could be like, you know, what do you want? And they're like, I just want like to like, lose some weight and like look better like and you're like okay great i'm just like you know don't take it at face value it's like oh okay well this woman just had a baby and like maybe actually she just feels unattractive and maybe what she really wants is to, to feel desirable again mm. maybe she wants to feel attractive because she feels like her body's gone through a lot 
with the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of, like I work with a lot of women who do postpartum weight loss and stuff like that and coaching. And I know when a woman has a baby, like that's a thing. They're like, oh my God, maybe I'm undesirable now. Like they get a little insecure sometimes. And it's like, well, maybe you should be talking to them about that. Mm. It's not really about the weight loss. It's not really about those things. It's really about like feeling desirable again. And it's like, so understanding like, you know, is what they're telling me, what they're really telling me. And like, how can I, how can I talk to them about that? Not in a way where you're like, so obviously like, oh, you want to feel desirable, but like you understand that Mm. and you're able to steer the conversation in a way that illuminates that without really saying it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Right. Because it's how I like to explain this is you have to, well, you, you give them what they want, which is I want to lose 10 pounds, but they actually need to feel desirable. They need to feel attractive. They need to feel confident in their skin again. And so um, if we can tie it to what you shared with us earlier, Ross, right, around our, our brand and our positioning, yes. you need to show yourself as attractive and desirable and confident in your own skin and that other people are w- wanting to spend time with you as a result of how you show up in the world. That's how that, that mom right now wants to feel. She wants to feel like she walks into a room and lights up. Yep. Like every every man's eyes are on her. Um, so that's secretly what she's hoping for, but she may not be okay to say it out loud yet. And she might not even like really know it fully herself. Yeah. You know? Might not recognize it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where uh, us as experts, we need to know what the motivation is and why people are doing and saying things that don't always make sense to them. Why are they doing the things that they're doing? Yeah. Totally. It's like everything. Why are people doing what they're doing? Yeah. Why do we do the things we do? Yeah. I think, you know, one other tip too, um, for your listeners is like learning copywriting will help your sales game a lot. It seems like it's not, it seems indirect, but through copywriting, you'll learn a lot about psychology and ultimately become a better writer and a better marketer. And it'll make your sales process, sales calls easier if you know how to market beforehand. Yeah. Because uh, when, when expectations aren't set properly and people don't understand what you're, the story you're telling them and things like that, and they get on a call and you have to explain it there, it makes the call more challenging to close because you have to educate them as well mm-hmm. instead of just close them. Yeah. So your, your marketing should be, and your branding should be helping you to position but also tell the story, right? To, sh- to share kind of yeah. where they are, do the education, really help paint the picture. So when you get on a sales conversation, it's just reaffirming and confirming the things yep. that they have come to realize on their own that you now need to know in order to be able to say, I actually want to work with you. I, I know I can serve you. You excite me and I hope I excite you. And this is a meeting of the minds of how we can do magic together with the thing that I uniquely am, am here to serve you to do. hundred percent. It's like a pre-frame. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think sometimes it gets confusing um, especially for, you know, solopreneurs or individuals where they have to figure out their own sales and marketing strategy is where does marketing kind of take over? Where does sales kind of take over? And there's a lot of yeah. overlap. There's a lot of overlap. Totally. Well, I think like if I could simplify that for them, it's like, what does someone need to believe in order to buy your product? Make them believe that with your marketing content. I'll give you a really quick example. Love it. 
if I want someone to buy my Instagram service and you know what, and I'm marketing on Facebook, I'll just put a bunch of stats out there about how Facebook's failing because if they believe that Facebook is failing, there's only one other logical place to go, which is Instagram. Yeah. And if they go to Instagram and I was the person that told them about that, they're going to buy it from me. Yeah. So I did that once. I put out a fear-based post. I was like, Instagram or Facebook has, has lost 40% of its active users in the past six months. Their stock is declining. Mark Zuckerberg is under investigation by the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigations for uh, like information fraud. Like I put all this stuff out there and people were like, oh my God, I knew it. Like we're literally, I'm fucked. Like they need to get on Instagram. I knew I should get on there earlier. I like pushed them. I was like, look, Facebook's going down. If they believe Facebook's going down, then they're going to go on Instagram. And if they go on Instagram, they're going to hit me up. Yeah. So if I got on a sales call there, like, yeah, it's like, what do they need to believe before they get on a call with you? That's what your marketing should be about. Because once they get on a call, you shouldn't be trying to instill new beliefs in them. You should just be trying to close them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Um, so I'm going to say, I've said this multiple times. This is a value packed episode, value packed, mm-hmm. especially when um, I think about all the different topics that we've, we've gone through here, yeah. Ross. I know that you are doing part of this uh, marathon a podcast, and I'm really, really grateful uh, to be part of this. But um, before we kind of wrap up, is there anything else that you want our listeners to to know about you? Um, you know, to know about their business. Um, any kind of last parting words, and then where can folks uh, connect with you and and learn more about you? We know Instagram, but is there anywhere else that you'd like us to share? Um, and all the links that we've just described all throughout the show will be in the show notes as well for you. Cool. Um, I think what people should know is just like, be patient. I think a lot of people lack patience and I understand that a situation could be uh, painful or uncomfortable for, you know, not having money is very uncomfortable. I didn't have money for most of my life. I know how that feels, but uh, if you just keep working hard, it'll be inevitable. The only way to fail is to give up. And so just keep working hard on that. And then people can find out more about me on Instagram at Ross Johnson, or if you're interested in starting an online course, I have a program called Course Mastery and you can find that at coursemastery.com. Awesome. So all the links will be below um, in the show notes and you'll be able to connect with Ross. Please go and follow him, share the love when you hear this episode and tag him on Instagram and let him know like, what are you going to take to heart in terms of action, right? Because mm. this show is, is free content, but I try to give everybody the most value in the least amount of time in order to help you do something in your business. And the thing that warms my heart as much as anybody else, I think out there that runs a business is hearing you implement, like you actually are doing something as a yeah. result of the information that we're putting out here. hundred percent. I love that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Ross. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, So guys, follow Ross. All the information will be down below in the show notes and we will see you next time on Master the Sales Game. Thanks so much. Thanks. Wasn't this such a good episode? Ross shared some key points with us today, including how using a script helped him master the sales game and get him consistently closing more deals and helping more clients. If you're struggling to figure out what to say on your discovery calls, or maybe you're just tired of hearing objections and you're simply looking for your own sales script of what to say when talking to potential clients, 
I invite you to check out my discovery call bundle. It's the exact formula that me and my clients have used to create 80% or more conversion rates. In fact, I use it to average 93% or higher close rates. Go ahead and check it out at susanmcveigh.com forward slash script to grab your very own copy and start hearing more yeses on your next sales calls. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time. Thank you.